Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food, and it's more than the food. On this podcast, we talk about the food that you put in your mouth, and everything else that nourishes you, or doesn't, with special attention paid to the problems and opportunities facing women over 40 burning out in mission-driven work. My vision is a world in which you can be well while doing good. My mission is to give you the simple resources and practices and some helpful connections to get there. Let's get started. Hello, this week we are turning the tables and flipping the script. This episode is a little detour from our usual programming because I'm the one being interviewed. This recording was made by my son for a school project, and he eventually had to edit it down for time constraints. But here's the entire recording in which we cover conventional medicine versus alternative therapies, conventional medicine and alternative therapies, why college students are at the perfect age and stage to explore alternative modalities, and how it's all connected. Enjoy. My name is Nikolai Tang, and I will, uh, I'm a first-year student at the University of Vermont studying wildlife and fisheries biology. In this interview, I will, I will be talking to health coach and employee wellness consultant, Lisa Baker, about the relationship between alternative and conventional medicine. Lisa holds a certificate in integrative nutrition health coaching from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and has been a practicing health coach for the past eight years, focusing on burnout prevention for women, specifically those in mission-driven work. So alternative or complementary health, when I say that, what comes to mind for you as a professional in that kind of field? What really comes to mind is uh, health and wellness modalities that fall outside of what conventional MDs practice. So things like osteopathy, chiropractic, massage, acupuncture, herbalism, uh, Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, uh, EFT tapping, health coaching, in fact, <laughs> as an alternative modality. Um, and I would say the major differences between these complementary modalities in Western medicine are their view of the human body as a really complex integrated system, but overall as a whole, uh, not specializing uh, in a specific organ or organ system. Another thing that these modalities have in common is their understanding that it's all connected. In integrative nutrition, we talk about primary foods uh, and we don't really distinguish between primary foods and secondary foods. Secondary foods is what you put in your mouth and primary foods are all the other things that nourish you or don't. So it could be your career, your relationships, your spiritual practice, physical activity. And I bring this up because very commonly we'll go to the doctor and we'll say something like, what did I do? Like, why does my hip hurt? What did I do? Uh, and I think these complementary modalities also take into account what was I thinking? What was I feeling? What, what sort of energy or um, emotion might be causing this symptom, not just a physical injury or illness or something like that? Uh, these modalities also 
really focus on the idea of bioindividuality and inner wisdom, really the idea that uh, everybody is different. Uh, I like to say my kale might be your kryptonite, kind of like your poison might be my food. <laughs> and uh, also this idea that if you can support your body and get out of its way very often by changing the way you think as well as the way you act, the body has the ability to heal itself from most injuries and illnesses. Now, of course, there are, there are exceptions to that, um, and we can get into that later. But uh, I think the final thing that these modalities tend to focus on is this sense that we're all connected, not just all of our body parts and systems are interconnected, but we are connected to each other in community and to the planet and to the universe. And that's something that doesn't really come into traditional Western medicine. Um, ironically, these modalities are also the more traditional ones. Uh, something like traditional Chinese medicine has been around for centuries. Uh, and yet somehow in America, conventional has come to mean Western medicine, uh, what's practiced by MDs. And I just want to say from the get-go that my strong, strong feeling is that there is a place at the table for every modality, from conservative conventional to the really deeply woo practices that some people are into. Um, I, I will speak negatively about some aspects of conventional medicine, and there are some disadvantages to the more alternative modalities as well. So I just want to put that out there that I, I definitely strongly believe that there's a place at the table for every one of those modalities. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. Um, so a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of words that I think people are going to associate with the, uh, the more woo and I would, I guess, hippie side of things. So uh, myself, I think am more of a subscriber to the conventional medicine. I think there there definitely is a, a stigma around alternative medicine being viewed as not, maybe not as effective or just something the hippies go and do in the woods, you know? Um, I proudly wave that woo flag. <laughs> so why do you think that there is this stigma and why could alternative medicine be frowned upon and not accepted? That's a really great question. And I would say that one reason is, I guess there's no, no better way to say it, but is, is a form of laziness. Um, alternative modalities really frequently require a lot of work on the patient's or client's part. They really ask us to make changes to our food and lifestyle choices which feels like a lot of work compared to popping a pill or having a procedure done. And we live in a society that is all about instant gratification. And we think, you know, if I can pop a pill to make this pain go away, great, I don't have to do anything else. So I think there's a, a very attractive reason to think about popping a pill or having a procedure. And at the same time, it's, it's really indicative of this unwillingness to make changes. We wanna be able to eat what we want and to not move our bodies and uh, not sleep enough and not pay the price for it. Uh, but our bodies are paying that price every single day that we do something that is not great for us. Um, there's, this, there's this feeling that, you know, I wanna, I wanna lose 20 pounds and I wanna do it in one day. <laughs> And, and that's really not possible. When you think about how you gain those 20 pounds, it was probably over the past year, 10 years, 
whatever uh, during the pandemic a little bit more quickly, I think. <laughs> but um, the other thing to consider is that big medicine, big insurance, big pharma, all of these institutions have really convinced us that we are not the experts on our own bodies. They've really taken away our agency over healthcare decisions. We go to our physicians and we treat them like the expert on us. And the fact of the matter is that we're not all the same. We're very different. You may have uh, an issue with gluten and I don't. Somebody else can eat dairy and another person might not be able to. So why are we treating these people as identical when they go to the doctor for something else? It's very hard to generalize and say that everybody can benefit from something. And this actually applies to the alternative field as well, because a lot of times when you look at these uh, different modalities, the practitioners will be adamant about, you know, everybody should be keto or everybody should be plant-based. And it really becomes this generic blanket prescriptive form of practice that doesn't necessarily serve the individual. So I think probably there's some hesitation uh, because we don't believe that we're the experts on our own bodies. And there's also some hesitation because it requires a little more work to go to the chiropractor, for example. It's a, it's a commitment. You don't just go once and solve all your problems. You have to commit to going you know, at first, maybe a few times a week, and then maybe two times a week, and then one time, and then once a month, and you know, stick with it as a, as a sort of supportive, uh, preventative measure rather than a, just pop this pill and it'll all go away. Yeah, that really, this idea of, of big pharma and big medicine kind of working as a system to make everyone that make treatment the same for everyone. That really, that makes me think about um, the system of, of, that makes me think about systematic racism in the US. Yes. Painting with a broad brush and using a blanket statement for everyone. Those, yeah, those I think that's a, a really good observation. And it's something that I thought about as I was reading over the questions that you were thinking about, because this idea of things being a system where, you know, everything is related. If you pull this one thread over here, something over there is going to happen. And we don't think about that. And I think it's going to sound like I'm picking on conventional medicine, but I think it's, it's a place where the, where it's very obvious. Uh, for example, you can go to a heart specialist because you're having a heart problem and that specialist will prescribe something to you. And then you will go to, uh, you know, someone like a, a kidney specialist because you're having a kidney issue and that person's going to prescribe something to you. And they're not always in communication with each other. The right hand doesn't always know what the left hand is doing. And that's one of the things as a health coach, I very often do when I have a client come in who has, you know, 10 different medications and she tells me that she's having all these problems. I always ask, have you ever had a pharmacist sit down and do an audit of all of your medications, especially if you're buying one thing here from this pharmacy and another one there from that pharmacy, they're not necessarily talking to each other. So all those symptoms that one medication can cause could also be caused or exacerbated by another medication. And then when you start mixing these into a big cocktail, who knows what's going to happen? So just this idea that um, Western medicine tends to really specialize and focus in on one problem it really doesn't take that holistic, systemic, integrative view of your body, your health, and how you're connected to your environment. Going into that more individual, one problem, one health issue, how far do you think 
alternative health can take people. So if there's one issue, like a broken arm, of course, you're going to go to a Western or conventional Absolutely. Um, medicine. going to go to the ER, um, in fact. Right, right. <laughs> um, but do you think that the line where alternative stops and conventional begins is farther towards alternative than people think? Mm, that's a really great question. Uh, it's a really great way to look at it. Uh, and, and I do a lot of that in my own work, which is let's talk about how something falls on a spectrum. Uh, even when I'm talking to people about, you know, your food choices, there's a spectrum, you know, on one end is the highly processed junk food. And on the other end is, you know, whole foods cooked from scratch. You are somewhere on that spectrum. We're all somewhere on that spectrum. And what I encourage people to do is always move slightly more toward the more holistic the whole foods cooked from scratch, et cetera. So if you look at conventional medicine and alternative medicine being on a spectrum, I think that's a really interesting way to think about it. And I would say that the line is probably much, much further over towards alternative medicine than most people give it credit for. So your example of a broken arm, that's great. Yeah, if I break my arm, I'm definitely going to the ER to have it set. I'm not gonna mess around with an acupuncturist. <laughs> However, I will very likely go to that acupuncturist to support my arm in healing. Right, so, therapy, right. Yes, exactly. And, you know, physical therapy and rehab and things like that. You know, physical therapy is an interesting point because physical therapy is sort of a little closer to the center of the spectrum than conventional medicine. So if you think about somebody with a back problem or a hip problem who goes to the doctor, a really holistic minded doctor is going to say, you know what, let's try physical therapy first. They're not going to immediately jump to, you know what, you need a hip replacement. <laughs> and so even within conventional medicine, there is this spectrum. And what I consider the really good practitioners are the ones who will say, you know what, let's start out with something like physical therapy before we jump immediately into hip replacement. Because if you watch television, if you read magazines, think about how many times you have seen a new procedure or a new medication advertised to the public who are not experts, according to the medical world. And yet you have someone going to their doctor and saying, hey, I saw this ad for XYZ medication, or I've heard about ABC intervention, and that's what I want to have. A really good practitioner, no matter where on that spectrum they are, will say, okay, well, let's talk about that here's why it would be a good reason for you. And did you see what the side effects are? Have you considered the outcome in addition to having a new hip? Like, are you, have you thought about the rehab portion of that process? So there, even within the conventional field, there are a, a really wide range of practitioners. And I also want to mention that the, one of the reasons I think that the alternative complementary medicine field can actually help a lot more than we give it credit for is that more than 80%, I've heard as high as 85% of our chronic diseases can be reversed or prevented by food and lifestyle choices, not by medication, not by procedures, by making better food and lifestyle choices. And you will not generally have that discussion with a conventional medical practitioner. They may well say to you, oh, you are pre-diabetic. You got to go and you got to lose 30 pounds by the next time I see you. Great. 
that is going to involve making some food and lifestyle choices, changes to those choices. And that's not something that they can necessarily support you in. And, you know, all over that spectrum of, of medical and conventional, conventional versus alternative uh, practitioners, you will see practitioners who don't practice what they preach. There are plenty of overweight heart surgeons, <laughs> for example. So when you think about, you know, can I shift these things with food and lifestyle choice changes, that's where alternative modalities really come in, I think. And that's also how alternative modalities can really support conventional modalities because a conventional medical doctor can tell you, look, we looked at your blood work and you're pre-diabetic. They don't necessarily have the background in nutrition or in meal planning or in physical activity that will help you lose those 30 pounds that they tell you you need to lose. And that's where we all need to come to the table and have a team. You know, you need to have a team of practitioners, not just the person who does your blood work and gives you uh, prescriptions, but also the person who can say, okay, maybe you need to take insulin on a regular basis right now. And meanwhile, in the background, let's make some changes so that you can eventually wean off that medication. As, as a college student, uh, I would say that many of my peers subscribe to conventional medicine, but I don't think that's our fault. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very much so a, a system society, that, that a culture. we are, yeah, a, a, a system that we are just a, just a piece in. How do you think alternative and complementary treatment, like you were just referring to, could, um, could help college students? I think college students and sort of late stage high school students are the perfect audience for this conversation in a lot of ways, because when you think about it, as a college student, as a late stage high school student, you are starting to pull away from your parents. You are starting to be an adult. You are starting to get to the point where you're gonna be put in the position of having to make your own decisions. And that includes things like decisions about your health and your health care. Well, you know, for 16, 18 years, your parents have made all your decisions for you. So what is in your mind? Oh, I'm not the expert. Somebody else is going to tell me what I need to do. So you have in a lot of ways given away your agency over your health and your health care. You are in, you're feeling like I don't have the knowledge to make this choice. I'm not the expert on me. Somebody else is. And that immediately sets you up for this culture of looking outside yourself for the answers. Oh, I feel like I have depression and uh, my friend got some great medication for it. So I should try that too. Uh, that's the sort of situation where you are, you know, looking outside yourself for solutions, which may not work for you because you may have a completely different reaction to that medication than your friend does because we are bio-individual. Your, your system is very different from somebody else's based on your genetics, the food choices you've made so far, your lifestyle choices you've made so far it could be very different from your friend. So your outcome won't necessarily be the same. So I think that it, it's a perfect age and stage to, uh, to explore what are my options? Uh, 
what do I want to do to support my best health? And uh, I think that modalities that require college students to get in touch with their own bodies, it could be something as simple as going to a yoga class. Like a yoga class will put you in tune with your body in a way that some other physical activities won't. And the other thing yoga tends to do is, is to connect your mind and your body. This is something that we're not often asked to do, uh, to really connect our mind and our body and our spirit, you know? And, and so any kind of modality that gets you in touch with your inner wisdom and like, how do I feel when I eat this way? How do I feel when I sleep X hours as opposed to Y hours? <laughs> Um, we don't really think about those daily choices as having a huge impact on our health. And they, they really do 80% of what's going on with you can be changed through food and lifestyle choices. You're also at an age where you're experimenting, like you're out of the house for the first time. And if you're not cooking for yourself or you don't know how to cook, you're sort of at the mercy of all that food that's out there. And it's not always the best choice. So some kids, especially those who grow up in families that, you know, family dinner is expected, they eat very healthy, they're not allowed treats, they don't eat a lot of sweets, they get to college, and, you know, where do you think that freshman 15 comes from? Like, oh, I've got limitless food, and I could have cake every day of my life. <laughs> and so, you know, there's this, there's this experimentation that goes on at this stage, and it's a really good chance to take a look at what, what serves you and what doesn't. Experiment with it really thinking about, you know, if I, if I eat cake every night this week, how do I sleep? Or if I drink five cups of coffee a day, how do I feel at night? As opposed to, wow, what happens if I just have two cups of coffee? Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting age to think about. I would definitely say that I'm at the mercy of uh, what <laughs> the um, dining hall serves. But I do think um, it is important to acknowledge that in at least my classes in the Rubenstein School for the Environment and Natural Resources that in some classes, I definitely have heard students questioning um, conventional styles of thinking around health and applying that to climate change. And yes. I, I, so I do think there is, there is a shift occurring. Yeah, it's personally. all connected. Like you said before, it's yeah. all connected. Yeah. If you go and so you that, eat junk food every day of the week, not only is it not great for your body, but think about all that packaging that's going into the environment. Right. You know, it's, right. it's all connected. It's a systemic problem. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think somewhere like UVM, uh, I do have the, the privilege to be around people who are maybe more open-minded to things that are more alternative. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Talking about college students, um, of course, something that's going to come up is mental health. Um, the current anxiety and depression rates are really high due to um, the pandemic. Yeah. And do you think that alternative medicine can aid in mental health treatment at all? Yeah. And, and just to back up a little bit, uh, the whole pandemic, when you, when you talk about a systemic issue, a systemic problem, you know, had we, had we not abused the environment in terrible ways, <laughs> Uh, this pandemic may not have happened. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the, the mental health discussion is going to be absolutely huge going forward. Um, I was reading an article the other day that was talking about how, you know, every, every student above a certain age, in, and I think it was elementary school, really needs to be screened for mental health issues now, uh, which never used to be a problem. Uh, it never was such a widespread problem. 
And I think because mental health is really part of integrative health, again, our food and lifestyle choices can shift our mental state just as they can shift our physical and our emotional well-being. Again, in this area, we tend to run for the medicine cabinet and pop a pill, you know, and while we're doing that, we're making terrible food and lifestyle choices. So I think it's absolutely, there's no room for discussion. There is going to have to be a lot of medication for college age students who suffer from anxiety and depression. And in the background, we need to be working on, are they moving their bodies? Are they sleeping enough at night? What kind of food are they eating? <laughs> and when you think about, you know, sugar is now considered to be 10 times more addictive than cocaine. Let that sink in, right? <laughs> and most of us eat way too much of it. And what happens when we eat it? We have these physical highs and lows that actually feel like an emotional roller coaster. It's, it affects your emotions, it affects your mental condition. Um, so there's a, definitely a place for medication, but the goal of most alternative modalities is really to make changes behind the scene to support your body in other ways so that you can gradually get off medication. And for some people that's never gonna be possible. And for some people they will notice that as they make better choices, they're going to be able to at least cut down on if not get off medication entirely. And another huge field that's gonna be related to this is emotional eating because uh, emotional eating left unaddressed very quickly can become disordered eating, which is you know extremely serious and requires sometimes hospitalization. But by the time we seek help for that, we've missed months and years of opportunities to address the emotional eating before it got to that stage. It's sort of like we, we eat and make bad choices in terms of physical activity and sleep for years. And then all of a sudden we wanna lose all that weight overnight. No, it took you years to get here. So let's, let's take some time and really work our way back from it. So really doing the work to discover you know, when you are eating, are you physically hungry or emotionally hungry? What triggered you to eat for emotional reasons? What's the emotion? What's the real desire behind that emotion? Uh, because it's, really, it's, it's rarely about the food. So my favorite example is if you ask a two-year-old who's crying, you know, what's wrong, what do you need? That two-year-old is not gonna say ice cream. <laughs> they're going to say, I want to hug, I'm scared, protect me, what, whatever it is, unless an adult has taught that child that ice cream is going to solve this problem, that child is not going to ask for ice cream. So it's really thinking about all of this uh, anxiety and depression rather than like suppressing it, rather than covering it with medication. Can we at the same time deal with it? So, you know, medication without therapy, I think is probably a really bad idea. And at the same time, food lifestyle choices can make a huge difference. Um, and things like, you know, chiropractic, where you're working on your immune system and acupuncture, where we're, you know, if you subscribe to what acupuncture does, you know, it's really regulating the flow of energy of, of chi in your body so that it's healthy. Uh, so there are a lot of things that alternative modalities can do in the background while you are doing medication and therapy that will help you eventually wean off of them. Having all these things going on in the background is definitely very important, but I would, I would bet that many people aren't going to think of it like a spectrum and they're going to take medication. They're going to do exactly what the Western or conventional doctor ordered. Yeah. And um, how would you, how would you present 
alternative medicine to them in a way that could maybe shift their view? Yeah, I think I, I think the beauty of alternative medicine is that when practiced properly, it does no harm. It is not going to harm you. Uh, and ironically, that's part of the Hippocratic Oath that every MD takes. You know, the, the very first thing, first, do no harm, right? And I think that applies to practitioners across the spectrum. Shifting your food and lifestyle choices uh, or how you stand or how you move or how the energy moves in your body is not going to be damaging to you in the way that a medication potentially can or a procedure potentially can. Because again, medications and procedures are very, very specialized. They focus on one part of your system and they don't really pay much attention to what's going on in the rest of your system. It's, it's not a, a systemic approach. It's a very targeted approach. And that said, I think that, you know, conventional medicine absolutely has a place at the table because like we talked about, if I break my arm, I'm not going to go to the chiropractor or the acupuncturist or the traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. I'm going to the ER. Same thing with cancer. If I'm diagnosed with cancer, there are some great conventional medical alternatives. And at the same time, I will probably also have alternative modalities going on to support my body through the process, which is, is something that not a lot of people consider. So I think it, first of all, alternative modalities when practiced properly with licensed practitioners will do no harm to your body. Changing your food choices, changing your lifestyle choices, those aren't gonna harm you. Um, alternative practitioners really return the patient's or client's agency to them. It really is a form of empowerment. Like, wouldn't you like to feel like you have some say over what's going on rather than just listening to someone else and constantly being told what to do? So the best alternative practitioners of, of all stripes really, they really listen to you and they try to draw out of you. What is your inner wisdom telling you? What is your intuition telling you? How are you really feeling? Instead of sort of being this sage on the stage that tells you this is what you're gonna do, it's more like being a guide on the side. Well, well, what would you like to do? What would you like to try? Do you want to try being keto for a while? Great, let's try it out, but let's see how you feel. Let's not do it because everybody else is doing it. Let's do it and see how you feel because you may discover it's totally for you and you may discover it's totally not for you. So this idea of reclaiming your agency over your health and your body and, and really learning what works for you right now. Um, and alternative practitioners tend to be able to schedule themselves so that they have more time with their clients. Uh, something like an acupuncture treatment definitely takes, you know, somewhere around an hour or an hour and a half. And uh, unfortunately, Western medical professionals are generally limited by the insurance companies. Like they're told you may only spend seven to 11 minutes with this patient. And then you got to move on to the next one because we got to make our money. <laughs> and I know a lot of Western medical professionals who, who call themselves recovering MDs because they, they decide, you know, this is not why I went into medicine. And they go and they get certified in something like functional medicine where they can spend an hour with each client and make it worth the client's while, not just their, their, their money and their insurance company's money and things like that. Mm -hmm. I really like the, um, the guide on the side and the sage <laughs> on the stage. Um, yep. <laughs> so I do think that 
people are going to, people who subscribe to conventional medicine are going to kind of cringe or um, recoil when they hear things like chi. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do think that um, this idea that it does no harm and it, uh, like, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work, but try it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. And I don't I think that a lot of people are very close-minded when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another really important point to make here is it's a spectrum. So if you're going, I mean, you've heard this definition of insanity, which is, you know, doing the same thing over and over <laughs> with, with, you know, and expecting different results. Well, if you're going and you're trying something and it's not working and it's not working, and it's not working. Why are you still trying it? <laughs> so if, if you feel like uh, acupuncture is not working, try something else and see whether there's something else. And especially if we're talking about people who have been uh, going to conventional practitioners all the time and are all of a sudden feeling like, hmm, I don't know whether this is working for me. I feel like there's something not right. Uh, that is your intuition talking. And you know your body like nobody else knows your body. You can't even explain to a physician or an alternative practitioner in most cases exactly what something feels like in your body because to each person, it's a very different experience. So if you feel like conventional medicine is not working, you don't have to jump into you know, acupuncture and chi and woo, woo stuff like that immediately. You could go see an osteopath. An osteopath has a medical license like an MD, but they also do... Uh, manipulation of the body. So they're sort of like a cross between a chiropractor and an MD. Well, try that. Maybe that's something, maybe if you, you know, have your body adjusted so that it's working better and you can move better, maybe then you'll be more inspired to move your body and do some exercise. So you don't have to jump from completely conventional to completely woo overnight. There is a spectrum and you can just find where on that spectrum works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that anyone would have all this information about, uh, acupuncture and uh, osteopaths without, without trying some alternative medication themselves. So how, how have you, uh, tried complementary or alternative medicine? And then how does that play a role in your health coaching and your career? Sure. Yeah. Well, definitely. I've tried, I've tried a lot. I won't say all of them, but I've tried a lot of them. Um, I've tried chiropractic. I've tried a form of chiropractic called biogeometric integration, which is a slight, slightly more woo version of chiropractic, uh, massage, acupuncture, physical therapy, herbalism, Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, meditation, EFT, tapping. I've tried them all. <laughs> um, and the way it plays into my own life is, I guess probably a really good example of this would be when I decided that I was going to get the, uh, the COVID vaccine. I took a look at like what, what sort of symptoms are people having? What reactions are people having to this? And what can I do to support my body to the greatest extent possible before, during, and after this? And, uh, you know, I had a, a veritable pharmacy on my countertop. <laughs> I had some Chinese herbs and I had some uh, herbal supplements and I had some Tylenol and <laughs> I had some Advil. And uh, honestly, I pretty much did them all. 
Uh, and at the same time, I made sure that I went to the chiropractor because I know that you know aligning your your spine and getting your immune system firing to the best extent possible is something you want to do before you get a before you get a vaccination. Um, another example would be um, I had a hip problem, and you know I did physical therapy that worked for a while, and I'm not someone who's willing to just constantly pop. Uh, ibuprofen or Tylenol to minimize the pain. I will take it with, when it's unbearable. And at the same time, I'm going to the chiropractor, I'm getting a massage, uh, I'm doing physical therapy, I've done some acupuncture there. So I, I think the, the idea of complementary is really important. Like it's working together with the Western system rather than fighting against it. And as far as playing into my own coaching practice, um, I really look at my role as a health coach is helping clients tap into their own inner wisdom and finding what works for them right now in terms of food and lifestyle choices. And I joke that like the two dirtiest words in, in the English language for me as a health coach are should and used to, because I have a lot of clients who say, I should do this. I should do that. And I say, really, who told you that, <laughs> you know, is that really your inner wisdom saying you know, I think I want to try being plant-based or is it, you see everybody in the world, including all these famous movie stars being plant-based. Therefore you think, oh, I should do that too. Does it feel right for you? And the other one is used to, like, I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to lift X weights and I used to be able to run a marathon and I used to this and I used to that. It's like, well, you're 20 years older than that. Why do you think your body hasn't changed? So really getting people tuned out from should and used to into what feels right for me right now. And as a health coach, you know, my, my scope of practice does not allow me to diagnose, treat, prescribe, like those words are not allowed. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that to anybody and I'm not allowed to claim that. Um, however, a lot of clients come to me because they've gone to someone who has diagnosed them with something or prescribed them something and they want to know, how can I work with this? So I have clients who said, you know, I just got a diagnosis of prediabetes. What can I do about it? Let me help you. Let, let's figure out what foods you can eat. And then let's go ahead and figure out what a meal plan looks like. And how can you cook this way so that you can be healthier? Uh, so it's really a supportive complementary role rather than an oppositional. So I always like to say, you know, don't think of it as competition. I am not competing with your doctor. I'm collaborating with your doctor. So I'm providing the services that the doctor doesn't have time or doesn't have the skills to do. A lot of health coaches really take this oppositional stance that they're in competition with the Western medical system. And my feeling is, oh no, no, we have to work together. There's, there's room for everybody at the table. We've definitely covered a lot of ground. Um, what would you like to conclude with or what is the biggest takeaway from this conversation that you would like people to walk away with? I think probably the largest takeaway is that the so-called solutions <laughs> to our health problems can feel really huge and unattainable. And sometimes we feel a little bit afraid of doing the work. Uh, so I think if we want to shake off this sort of paralysis, like, oh my God, there's so much to do. I, I might as well just not even get started because there's too much. Really start where you are, whatever your health is right now, start where you are and do what you can with what you have. 
medical care can be extremely expensive. And obviously, if you have a serious condition, that's the route you're going to want to go. Hopefully, you have the insurance to take care of it. Um, and there are a lot of really small things that you can do on a daily basis to change your food and lifestyle habits that will change your health, that will improve your health, uh, whether you are wheelchair bound or running marathons, there's always something that you can do that can push the needle a little bit more towards health. And I also just want to say that the, um, you know, systemic has become this big, big buzzword. And I think it's a recognition that you can't really pull on one thread without affecting another one. You can't, uh, you can't not affect everything and everyone around you by your food and lifestyle choices. So I think really alternative modalities, especially things like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda have been around for centuries. And they really begin on this premise that we are all connected. Our system is connected within itself and we're connected through community with other people and with the planet and also you know, with the greater universe. So as you make these changes, think about, can you take other people with you on this journey? Uh, really thinking about, you know, it's fine to promote organic, local, seasonal food. Is your neighbor also able to afford that? So if you're going to make changes, what changes can you make to the system at large, not just in, in your own self, that will not just improve your health, but the health of your community, your neighbor, your planet? Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please note that any suggestions provided on this show are not meant to replace medical advice, and the opinions of the guests on this show are their own. Simply Health Coaching and Elizabeth A. Baker LLC neither endorse nor take responsibility for statements made by guests. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. And let me know who else you want to hear from on the topic of being well while doing good. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never miss an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com. As always, the link is in the show notes.